In the bunker where the lights all buzz like hornets in a hive A blast of sewer water always makes me feel alive In the bunker where my demons dwell, they always drink for free The alabaster werewolves scream in perfect harmony Won't you meet me down in the bunker? Hello and welcome to Behind the Bunker, a dumb little show we wanted to make because we missed making stuff for you. That is a title. That is a hell of a title. Yeah, that's the actual title of the show. Hi, I'm Matt Shore and uh, this is Mike Kolar. Hi, it's me, Mike Kolar, not Jack, which is weird to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's our same voices, but we're the real actors and producers and humans who make the show. And we're going to do you a little solid by... Uh, do they need to know we were human? Uh, when I... I was just at Burger King before this, and the cashier definitely looked at me like I was not human. Okay, gotcha. Well, let's make it... Let's clarify stuff. Yeah, great. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to specify. I was like, I like your purple hair. It's nice. She's like, here's your drink. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just like... Fucking, I'm human. I breathe the same carbon dioxide, was it? No, never mind. <laughs> In and out, it's all the same. Now let's all enjoy some sulfur. I'm human. And then you drove away. <laughs> anyway, so this is what we're really like. It's really just the same thing, but we don't live in a bunker in real life. Not yet. Yet, although it might be an upgrade for me personally. Anyway, so we're doing this show uh, because we missed making stuff for you, and we wanted to do a little bit of a check-in with you guys. So this is sort of a special behind-the-scenes show yeah. where we're going to share some bunker secrets, answer some listener questions that we've gotten, and we're going to end with a movie review of a film that we both watched called Sonic the Hedgehog. It was the biggest movie of 2020. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, maybe you've heard of it. It's biggest movie of 2020 because no other movies came out in theaters because of COVID. So this is a huge motion picture starring Jim Carrey and Cyclops. So it's a pretty big deal. Good Cyclops. Specify good Cyclops. But we're going to get to that later. First, we're going to go to... <laughs> we're going to go to a segment I like to call the Unearned Victory Lap. Unearned Victory Lap! Woo! Unearned Victory Woo! We did it. Ooh. We did it. We did it. We finished a whole first season of Bunker Brothers. We want to thank everybody out there. If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah, uh, listen to the previous episodes of this pod. So we just, you know, in COVID times, we were sort of going stir crazy, right? And we wanted something to do. Well, to be fair, you thought of this before COVID times. You didn't jump on the, yes. the COVID bandwagon, to so to speak. That's true. Thank you for giving me, cutting me some slack there. What happened was I had gone to cat sit your cat, Toki, in Chicago while you were gone. And I dressed Toki up in a little costume. So he was dressed like a bee. And I sent Damn. you many pictures. Adorable. And on the way back, I came up with this idea that was sort of like a variation of an idea that I pitched to Andy Dick when I first got to L.A., which is a whole other thing. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so I've always had this idea of guys in a bunker, what? and originally it was post-apocalyptic, and Andy Dick was our ruler, but that's different now. I mean, that could still happen. That could still happen. I prefer John Lovitz, you know? I did not realize that I was a second choice to Andy Dick, and now I'm furious, so. You know, I if I'm being honest, Andy Dick is not my first choice in any arena. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to work with him or have him physically touch me again. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I came up with this idea. I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts that I thought had like really showcased people's talents. And so I was like really dead set on doing something on my own. And I was like, I know I'll do a show where they live in a bunker and I'll play every character. And I like did like a test pilot of me doing these voices and I listened to it and I'm like, this sucks. This like really, really sucks. So I sort of tabled it. And then Kolar and I had just been just like on and off and like on Facebook Messenger and on the phone and wherever, whenever we saw each other. Though I mean, the real backstory is uh, Mike Kolar, that's Jack and me, Matt Shore. We knew each other since 
<laughs> since high school where we took German class together. Hell yeah. German. Woo. Yeah. Das ist gut. And we had a teacher named Herr Carthen. And how would you describe Herr Carthen, Kolar? A robust, <laughs> sturdy, uh, ineffectual teacher. <laughs> It was a study hall. It was basically a glorified study hall. Yes. I hear he's gotten better, but, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, he, I, I went and visited because I dropped off the novel that I wrote, Travis in the Labyrinth. Buy it now on Amazon. Hashtag uh, Travis in the Labyrinth. Does that help? Hashtag Save Me From Poverty. And uh, Travis in the Labyrinth. I went to drop it, drop it off at our old high school to the library where the guy who accepted it gave me, like, the author's dream. He's like, wow, you wrote a whole book. Book. And I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> anyway, I stopped by German class, and I don't think Herr Carthen recognized me because I look very different now. I've got a big beard. And kids were sitting with rapt attention as he, like, told stories of history as if he lived. It was, like, it's strange. Because when we knew him, we knew him as, yeah, like you said, ineffectual. It was the class where the projector caught fire, and, <laughs> and one of the students kidnapped another student. <laughs> I drew cartoons on my final, and I still, I think, got to see in that class somehow. Yeah. I, like, drew cartoon pictures on my final exam, and there was there was no drawing. So, I, I don't know. It's pretty funny. I forget the name of the kid, but one of the kids, like, the curve in the class was so huge that an F got brought up to a C. Yeah. I probably, well, is that why I, is that why I passed? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Because oh, everyone failed except, like... <laughs> Me and Aaron Wright, I think that's it. Oh, look at you, passing German. <laughs> I mean, speak, speak some, speak some for us, Matt. It's, uh, okay, Ishville. <laughs> is, that, is that right? All right, checks out. So what? Big deal. That checks out. Ich muss Deutsche sprechen. All right, that's enough. Show. Okay, stop showboating. It's fine. Ich habe eine Katze. Uh... <laughs> Ear, nomen. No, I'm out. I'm out. I've been learning French lately, though. Yeah. Say le chat. That means it's a cat, I think. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Duolingo, for allowing me to get through this segment. <laughs> anyway, so we finished our first season. Long story short, we met in German class. We had a really wacky time. We'd been working on putting together an animated series about our German class experience. And then we decided we'd just been doing so much improv. And even though Kolar and I haven't trained doing improv together, we've both done so much comedy together and separately that, like, we have the same sense of humor. And so we just sort of, like, went into this and we're like, okay, let's try it. Let's call someone up to be the lawyer and we'll see how this goes. <laughs> and so we got Michael Rosenblum. Yeah. And he was nice enough to do it. And he does voice acting. And I knew him uh, from L.A., and yeah, we were just sort of winging it. And I think we'll get to this later, but that's sort of how we got the ball rolling. And we were like, right, you know, getting started on like just doing a test pilot, which is our first episode, really. And I think we did, I don't know. I think we just went straight into it. And then COVID happens. And then we're like, well, we got nothing else to do. Right. So here's the show. So we did perfect timing for COVID, actually. Perfect timing. Thanks, pandemic. <laughs> what a sucker. <laughs> Thanks, man. You gave us so much to do. Stupid pandemic. So we got this great first season done. If you haven't listened to it, you know, we got 21 episodes, a bunch of mini episodes. And if by my count, I think we have between 40 and 75,000 listeners. Last time I looked, I think it was over 75,000, but I could be wrong. So, I mean, you know. Get on that bandwagon. I want to be clear. It's not 40,000 or 75,000. It's 40, period, or 75,000. So. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could go either way, but if you like the show, tell your friends, subscribe, leave us reviews, anything to help us grow because we want to do more. And we've been, you know, sort of excited, missed doing the show. We've been doing it weekly, weekly. It can get kind of stressful, but at the same time, it's really fun. And so maybe that should bring us to, uh, we've got like a, a, another special episode. We want to do this one. But we've got another one coming up for next week. And Kolar, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So because we love Halloween and also uh, ripping off The Simpsons, <laughs> we're doing a <laughs> uh, uh, Halloween special. Yes. Probably release it on Halloween. Uh, spooky tales that have no relation to the actual 
show. It's not reality. <laughs> right, right. It's going to be Brian and Jack in the bunker, right? But it's going to be like a trilogy of tales, Simpsons style or Futurama style too. They did that too, I guess. Oh, yeah. Matt Groening style. And uh, then later stolen by Family Guy, of course. Oh, jeez. And then stolen by us. And then stolen by us. But we had Simpsons writers on the show. Right, so we're allowed to. We had Bill Oakley. We had Michael Price. So we're we're sort of grandfathered in to stealing. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like Michael Price saying on his episode, stealing. <laughs> stealing. Great, great song. So we're going to have a Halloween episode for you soon, uh, TBD, most likely next weekish or so. And uh, yeah, I mean, speaking of uh, Mike Price's episode, do you have any memories from this season of things that are particularly stand out to you as like crazy or funny or weird or stuff that didn't make the cut? <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff with the uh, pornographic film actress that did not make the cut. Because it was too hot for TV, so to speak. <laughs> right. And when he says pornographic film actress, he means episode seven, I think. Seven? Yeah, seven. Art House film star. Yeah. Our guest was the lovely and hilarious Kat Pilardi, uh, who you can see in Blow the Man Down, her sister's movie on Amazon Prime. It's an actual legit movie, not like... One of the ones her character <laughs> starred in with our our fictional father. <laughs> but yeah, Kat came in and started riffing. I've, I've known Kat since college. We did some comedy together, sort of in the same vicinity. I did comedy near her on a street corner while she was on stage. Yep. And yeah, there was a lot of stuff that like after, like, Kat just went wild. Yeah. Like she came in, she's like, my character has COVID. We were like, okay. COVID, which we were trying to avoid <laughs> yeah. for a long time. And she's like, no, I just have it. Like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> cool. Um, and so, you know, there are times, and we'll talk a little bit about this, but, like, yeah, there are times when we're, like, I guess that's part of the show now. It's part of the fun. It's, like, yep. our guests can come in and say something in the moment, and, you know, if it's funny, we sort of go with it. Yeah. Unless it, like, totally breaks the reality. But, yeah, that one was crazy. We had some stuff that was, like, definitely not super progressive <laughs> in that episode. <laughs> it was almost regressive, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it was actually regressive. We were actually uh, devolving. It was like in one of my favorite films, Super Mario Bros. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. When Toad, the local minstrel, is devolved into his lizard or Goomba form. <laughs> if you'd like to learn more about uh, Super Mario Bros., please listen to our mini episode about it. We watched that great film. Yeah. Don't actually watch the movie. Just listen to our mini episode. Yeah, just listen because it's not worth it. There are huge defenders of that movie on Twitter, and they've come at me. And I just want to say... Ooh, that's insane. I did not realize that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's an account that's just about the movie <laughs> and, like, retweets anyone who mentions it. What? Um, and it's sort of ambivalent about the movie's quality. I think it's ironic, but I can't tell. Right. And there are just other people who are like, no, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. And I, like... I mean, I watched it... Very thoroughly. When we were doing a show about a movie, like you'll see later uh, with Sonic. <laughs> and it is so funny that we've done Mario and now Sonic. Like, I love that. It's funny that they're both movies. <laughs> and Mario's going to get another movie soon by the Illumination guys, the Minions guys. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, really? Yeah. That might not be as bad. I mean, if it's animated, it's going to avoid a lot of the problems. Yeah. <laughs> with SMB, the movie. I hope John Leguizamo can't sleep at night sometimes because of that movie. <laughs> I forgive him because, like... He's so fucking talented. Yeah, he's super talented. I love him in so many things. I love him as Clown and Spawn. But to me, Super Mario Brothers is so much better than The Happening. That's true. Like, I can sit through Super Mario Bros, but The Happening is, like, jaw-droppingly, insanely bad. What's, uh, what's happening, would you say? What is happening? That's an actual line from the movie. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a pun or do your, do your recording stop? I can't even tell anymore. No, that's from the movie. He says what's happening like multiple times. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. It's a terrible that's, movie. That's the catchphrase of the movie. Hey, what's happening here? These friggin' trees. I don't think. <laughs> These trees is killing me over here. <laughs> Why did I give Marky Mark? I, no one in that movie is. I'm, I'm pretending to be uh, Scapelli. 
from Super Mario yeah. Bros. The the you know the non Koopa Mario boss Scapelli. What's going on over here? These trees is killing us. The bees is dying. What's next? All right. Well, I feel like we're just going to riff. So the idea, I just wanted to say, if you're looking for episodes of the show to check out, my favorites are probably, well, I love the way the episode Mao turned out, where we find out this guy Mao has a basement that's connected to our bunker because it started really crazy and it was like really hard to edit. But then it came together in a really fun way. So I like that one a lot. I love D&D Babysitter because our guest uh-huh. on that episode was someone we did not know. And we got super randomly. And she killed it. And she just destroyed it and was so much fun. Yeah. I love Marine Biologist because I think it's our craziest episode. And it was hard to put together, but I thought it was great. You know, we did a good job with it. And Wilson's super crazy as this like orca fighting man i don't know what to call him yeah uh, he's sort of a marine biologist but sort of not sort of a pirate and uh double date i really like double date just because i got to really get into the improv and try to be you know a, a threes company character and that was really fun so those those are probably my faves I would agree with all of those i also liked uh the newspaper reporter because that was the last time i had uh, contact with another person, which was nice. <laughs> oh, right, because she came over to your place. She actually came, because Jan actually came over to record, and then after that, we never recorded with another person. Hey, speaking of human contact, we got some big news for the show. I'd like to congratulate you. You just got engaged. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I got engaged to my uh, fiance. Wow. Does that... Does that that's right? It sounded like it sounded weird coming out of your mouth, but it sounded normal to my ear. It is. I think it's the first time I said it. It's a weird thing. It's a weird word. That's your first time? Whoa! That's that's a huge bachelor moment right now. Fiance. It's fun. Fianza. Fian- <laughs> yeah, it rhymes with Beyonce. Fiance. <laughs> this is my finance. That's what autocorrect always wants to fix it towards. Ah shit. But yeah, so you and Babs are finally getting hitched, and I've heard it's an Animal Crossing wedding, so we're all invited. Well, I don't know who told you that, but that's not true. Well, I'm, I'm already planning it in Animal Crossing. I still have one of those wedding benches from the Love Day event, so... You only have one? Well, you're going to get it. I've just spoiled my <laughs> wedding present to you, so... I already have... I mean, I have a bunch. You should have gone to it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> fine, fine. I'll sculpt you something. Jeez, come on. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. You'll have to wait till next summer. (laughs) So that's big news. Congratulations. I'm very excited about that. Be sure to reveal lots of personal details about the ceremony on the show at your earliest convenience. Of course. Okay, so we talked about our special Halloween episode coming up. I'm also doing some uh, like pseudo election coverage on my YouTube account, which is kind of blowing up lately. I don't really understand why. I played a character on uh, Eric Andre show called... He was called the truther, but people call him the investigate 311 guy. Mm -hmm. And so I have all these like 12 year olds coming onto my YouTube screaming investigate 311. And I don't really get why they love it so much, but I appreciate it. And so I've been making content for them and a lot of it. I just drove around Ohio and Pennsylvania and counted which politician had the most yard signs. I just did a video where I dropped off my mail-in ballot. I did one about the vice presidential debate and I've done some uh, gaming stuff too. So uh, if you want to find that, go to mattshore.com, M-A-T-T-S-H-O-R-E.com, and you can just link over from there. All right, so we actually do have listeners. That's the craziest part of this show, and we want to thank them very much. Thanks. So we're going to answer some listener questions. So if you guys have any questions, you can send them to me on Twitter. We're at brothers underscore bunker, and uh, I can get them there. We can answer them at a later date, but here are the ones we got so far. There's this one guy on Twitter who's just constantly spamming the account, being like, when are you going to explain how the whale got there? (laughs) So so I'll ask you, Kolar, now, when are we going to explain how or why the whale got in the bunker? Are we going to do it? Never. Never. Get off our back, man. Get off our back, man. The show's free. Keep listening. We love you, but shut up. (laughs) <laughs> Shut up. Well, never. When he kept asking me, I was like, hmm, I don't know, some kind of dolly? And they just brought it down. Yeah, it's a dolly or something. <laughs> it's a dolly. I guess I don't, like, maybe it will be answered, but also, you know, doesn't really matter. 
I'm slightly OCD with plot points that I can remember. So, I mean, I have, like, I know Kolar sort of edges towards wanting it to be more comedic, and I'm edging to being more grounded. But for whatever reason, I was like, there must be a whale. (laughs) Well, I think it's like we both respect story enough where it's like it has to make sense. Right. But I guess my thing is, I don't know, like, However, he got like, why does it matter how he got there? I guess is my question. Why well, I, I don't understand the question. I think I'm misunderstanding fundamentally the question, which is like, is he asking physically how did the whale get in there? Because there's so many different ways we could invent yeah. for, you know, oh, there's a room in the bunker with a helicopter in it and the whale, you know, it's like, I mean, we could say whatever the fuck we want because it make less sense. <laughs> it's a crazy show. But like, if you're asking why is there a whale in the bunker? I have a feeling that that's kind of like, to me, some sort of weird thing with our dad that we're going to explore at some point. Or, you know, like, we'll find some evidence of why, you know, Julius had this thing, what his plan was. And, you know, it's like, I also think there's a little clue there if you want why the whale is in there. Because we said earlier in the boat, there's a boat in the room and we blow up the boat episode, that that boat was made of whale bone. Yeah. And so I have a sneaking suspicion Julius might have been trying to fashion a second whalebone boat. It's very possible. <laughs> out of a living orca. So that's one possibility. But, you know, it's nothing's, nothing's set in stone. And as much as Brian wants to ignore the fact that whale murder happened, I don't think Jack will ever let him forget it. <laughs> so it's not like it's going away. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's the other thing is that, like, I know there's a secondary follow-up to this, which is like, well, something crazy happened in that episode. And if you listen to it, you'll hear it. And Brian's in denial about it. And I think the worry of the listeners of the show is that, you know, we'll be in denial about it, too, and just write it off as not canon. But it did happen, and we'll address it at some point. And, you know, hopefully in an unexpected way. We have some ideas already for next season, so hopefully it'll be, you know, something you guys like. Yeah, so so get off our back. That's what it's. <laughs> Get off our backs. So, we, okay, we lost, we lost that fan. What next? <laughs> Probably one of the most basic questions I get all the time is, is the show scripted or improvised? And, I mean, how do you answer that? Uh, it's both. I answer it like, sort of like Curb Your Enthusiasm style, where we have a basic yeah. bone skeleton outline. <laughs> we have a whalebone of a script. <laughs> uh, skeleton outline. We have a whalebone. We have a skeleton outline of like what we want to happen, the moments we want to happen, and then we sort of just improv around that. I guess, is the answer. Yes. The dialogue is not scripted unless the dialogue is a specific plot point. Right. And it'll usually be written in this outline, like really in a Google document, in outline format, where it'll be like, you know, the guest notices that something's on fire. So it's not like written out in dialogue or in script format or even in play format it's just sort of like at this point something will happen but like like the example earlier with Kat Pilardi and saying she has COVID like because there's no scripted dialogue right. and there's a lot of room for error you'll have some guests come on and, and lean very heavily on that script and not go far off and you'll have some guests just friggin swing for the fences and do just crazy <laughs> shit which is part of the fun of making the show I think yeah. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. Right. So it's half scripted, half improvised. And, you know, it has like the basic story, like uh, you said earlier, we care about story. And I'm personally trying to get better at just structuring stories because I, you know, think of crazy things that could happen and just sort of smash them all together. And then the rat gets in here. (laughs) That's always my my solution to everything. Uh, There's something crazy with the rat. Hey, dad's old guitar. Uh, I love that little guy. Love that little guy. All right, so, okay, this one is interesting, and it's, I've gotten versions, variations of the question before, but what was your inspiration for your character, and what do you share in common with them? I'll let you go first on that one, Kolar. Oh, geez. My inspiration is a version of me if I got married in high school <laughs> and just, like, and actually flew off a handle instead of just, like, acting like I like to fly off the handle because I'm fairly like a calm person, but I love flying off the handle. Yeah, you're very relaxed unless your basketball team loses. Right. Well, then I get so furious. But (laughs) but yeah, it's like a heightened version of 
it's like me if I peaked in high school and then, you know, got married in high school and had kids in high school <laughs> and then never left my hometown. That is the version of it. And I'm just frustrated, just getting more and more frustrated constantly. <laughs> You've built yourself a fine cage and you're living in it and clawing at the walls. <laughs> right, exactly. Whereas it's funny because, like, I love when we have these talks about the characters because we really didn't before the show started. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about that and because when I looked at this question, I was like, inspiration for the character suggests that I really thought about it before, but it is more like as we go. I mean, I like the episode Hazel, the second episode, too, because we really started to define who Jack is in that episode. Right. And having you to play off of and being more of a straight man allows me to define Brian as just weirder and weirder. And knowing you're going to, like, bounce that off of that, you know? Sure, sure. So, like, once we started nailing down who Jack was, it was really easy to figure out who Brian was. Right. Because I think in the first episode, I was just, like, exasperated groans. And that was my character. And I didn't know what else he was besides (laughs) just, like... Well, I mean, I didn't know who Brian was either in that point, except I knew he was enthusiastic about the bunker and you were. He was enthusiastic and I was hate spiteful of the bunker. And I think that's what we went off of. Right. And I was worried at first that you were going to be Mr. Negative and it would be hard to improvise with. But then we realized that the reason it's he's being negative is because he has reason to be. This is like the final fuck you from Julius. Like, it's all built in. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's all built in, and it makes perfect sense. And that was also interesting, because it's like starting with from, you know, it does feel like we're joining these characters midway through their story. Sure. Which, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, I remember I spent so much time, like, organizing the basic premise, and then, like, figuring out the tech setup, and then, like, getting Michael uh, Rosenblum on board to play the lawyer. And then we're, like, sitting down to record, and we're doing the countdown, and I'm like, I have no idea who my fucking character is besides that he's named Brian. (laughs) And I immediately kicked into this animal instinct of like, he's dumb and he's enthusiastic because I remember (laughs) from playing a character in college that if you're dumb and innocent enough, you can get away with saying truly offensive shit. (laughs) Yeah. Right. If you don't know, it's and because people are just like, well, he don't know no better. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, ah, shucks. And I was just like, I'll have the most fun with the show if I can seem reasonable like 60% of the time and then 30% of the time I'm just like on the edge of reasonable. Yeah. And then 10% I'm just like, okay, you know, he's fucked up. He's really, really fucked. <laughs> like, it's so much fun for me to make stuff like Brian recording Jack having sex, like normalizing that. Seem normal, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It went from like Brian, you're reprehensible to being like, oh, that's just our Brian, you know. And it's like he just does it. It's just what he does. <laughs> like, of course, Jack is right. He's a watcher. But in the universe of the show, Jack's always being a bit of a bear, <laughs> and Brian's always, you know, oh shucks. So it's like we'll see uh, how that pays out for them in the long run. But that's like. I think they also represent, you know, I don't know if they're they're necessarily like their dad, but they represent the two results of his parenting or lack thereof. Right, exactly. Brian, who's in complete denial about how shitty his life is at every turn and constantly is waiting for that, you know, approval from a dad who just seemed to not give a shit. Right. And Jack, who got so cynical so early because of the dad that, like, He's just like, fuck it, whatever. And I love that you say that Jack peaked in high school because we described him as like a drug dealer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not a good peak, but he definitely peaked. (laughs) It's not a good peak. I think the jack hole was his peak. Oh, yeah, that's fair. (laughs) uh, Speaking of the jack hole episode in which Jack takes over the show and (laughs) calls it the jack hole and basically fires Brian and replaces him with Moondog, we have a question here from one of our tweeters that says, what makes Moondog such a good friend? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a real, that's a real question. That's a real question. So, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, he's always he's always down to party. That's the sign of a good friend. 
He's always down to party. Good access to crack. If you're into crack, he's got tons of... He's got access to crack? <laughs> um, you know he's not doing anything. Yeah. So if you need someone to hang with... And he's enthusiastic. He's got that Brian factor. He's just a little bit more dangerous. And will he would probably have gotten Jack's son killed if, you know... <laughs> He might rob you is the thing. Like, he might... He, he will. He will rob you. I mean... He, he will rob There's going to be a lot of changes around here. I love that character. Like, he's going to... Uh, he might share his drugs with you, but in he's going to make you pay for him in some way. You know what I mean? Like, he... And they're not free. My friend Rachel hates that character because she has a southern accent naturally, and she thinks... She's like, why does he have a southern accent? Jeez. And you guys don't if you went to high school together. I'm like, eh, it's yeah, it's like the whale. You're thinking too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought uh, Travis Irvine did a pretty good job of having a southern accent. Yeah, I think it's just her pet peeve. I thought he did a great job. He was very funny. All right. Oh, this is a question from me, and I was just thinking about it as I was tallying up these questions. Were you tweeting yourself? I was tweeting it myself. I said, <laughs> do you think we'll ever meet Jack and Brian's mothers? Because we know they have different mothers. And I was like, oh, that could be something we could explore on the show. Listen to find out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. I don't remember what we said about them. If I don't think there's anything canon about them necessarily. So I'm sure at some point. I imagine Brian's mom like Charlie's mom on It's Always Sunny. I can see that. Yeah. There's a lot of Sunny influence or just, I mean, Charlie or Mac's mom because they're both sort of checked out in different ways. But I think there's a lot of fun we could have there. And that's just an, a starting place because normally it's like we have this idea and then we cast it and they're, they're, you know whoever we bring to the role, they bring crazy amounts of stuff. I imagine Jack's mom as like uh, Chandler's mom in Friends. <laughs> she's, she's like a psychiatrist and like really fucked Chandler up, if you remember her. Oh, Wait, so Chandler's mom, meaning the blonde, not his dad, who becomes a lady, right? Right, right, right. His actual mom is a psychiatrist who, like, was very oversharing with sex and stuff. I forget that actress. She's, like, super pretty, like, stereotypically sexy blonde lady. Yeah. She's really famous, too, as a TV actress. Yeah, yeah. She's, I forget her name. It'll drive me crazy, but yeah. I know, uh, it's like Morgan Fairchild, is that right? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, that makes sense. I love the idea of Jack having like a, it makes, reminds me of Six Feet Under in a way. It's like a psychiatrist family that like analyzes you or something. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a really interesting thing. I would be down to explore that. And we sort of touched on this earlier, but one we got was, do you edit out the flubs or do you just roll through? Yeah, we've never made a mistake. Yeah, what mistakes are you talking about? That's a stupid question. If we start laughing uncontrollably, like, we actually take a little bit of pride. I do anyway. And I think everyone who comes on seems to have this implicit improv pride where they try not to break and they try to stay in character right. for as long as they can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if our guests do break or make a mistake or say something crazy, I do loop it and set it to music for my own personal enjoyment. <laughs> and I listen to that on my... <laughs> my breaks. I won't release that to protect their identities, but at the same time, it does make me laugh. But, yeah, we don't, I mean, I don't know. How much, do we edit out a lot of stuff? I don't think we cut much. It depends on the episode, because like you said, the Mal episode, we did so many retakes. <laughs> we recorded that whole episode twice. Twice. His character changed completely into what it is now. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. he originally was like a, um, he wanted to be like the guy at the end of the Matrix. He wanted to be like right. uh, the overseer who controlled everything. I'm like, that fundamentally changes the show. We can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just weird. But yeah, we ended up really good. But I don't think uh, the Art House Film Star episode is one where it's like, okay, we're going to cut this entire chunk out because it just isn't really working. Right. But normally we don't do that. Normally it's like... Someone starts, you know, something happens in the background or a dog barks or someone sneezes or coughs or whatever. <laughs> Normally we keep all that shit, actually. But, like, if anything really goes awry, we'll be like, okay, we lost it. Or sometimes, like, somebody's recording will stop or we'll lose something. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That's happened before. So then we'll go back and we'll do it. We've also had things where it's like someone's entire track got fucked and so they had to re-record it. Yeah, 
That happened to me yeah. on the, I forget which episode, like the double date maybe. That's right. I forgot that. Yeah, it happens a lot. Because like the other thing is that Kolar and I aren't in the same room, even now. I'm in Ohio and he's in Chicago. And so, you know, we're doing this remotely and we're not on Zoom either. So we don't even see each other while we're improvising. Which is good because I don't wear a shirt. Yes. And I don't wear pants. That's what makes us such a good team. There you go. <laughs> So, I mean, like, you know, we're all doing it remotely. We get each of the recordings separately, and then we have to put them together. So it is a bit of a bear in terms of editing. And, yes, I am trying to get that to catch on. A bit of a bear, a bit of a bear. It could catch on. All right. So now we're going to move on to the final part of the show. We're going to talk about the movie we watched, which is Sonic the Hedgehog. If you'd like to watch the movie, uh, I don't know if it's still a Prime Day deal. Probably not when you're listening to this. Just giving your Prime info. What's the big deal? Uh, I don't know about that. But... I'll get. I'll do. It. I'll do it for you. Oh no! Please don't add that to show notes. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about this film, Sonic the Hedgehog. So, <laughs> Kolar, how would you characterize this movie if we're just saying a broad overview, broad strokes? Broad overview. It's like a fairly fun family kids movie, but perspective wise, like where we watched five other terrible shit movies, it's probably the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And such a joy to watch. (laughs) So there's two different levels of like a rating, but no, I agree with you because we've, the other movies we watch for the show are bad movies, sort of keeping in line with one of my favorite pods. No, my, all my, my all time favorite pod had this get made. And also with uh, Mystery Science Theater, which we both enjoy. Right. Uh, we thought, oh, we'll just make fun of these shitty movies. It'll be funny. Uh, fun thing to do in character and stuff like that. So, yeah, this is our first time watching <laughs> what I would describe as a decent movie. Yeah, it's pretty, like, it's pretty, there's funny parts and it's pretty fun. <laughs> I enjoyed it from beginning to end. And I was kind of shocked by it. It only hit me later because I really, really hate Detective Pikachu, like with a personal vengeance. And I got, yeah. I got in trouble on Twitter with Emily Gordon, Kumail uh, Nanjiani's co-writer and wife in, from The Big Sick, you know, the writer of The Big Sick, Emily Gordon. She got really mad at me because I replied to a tweet. I basically saw a tweet that was like, these guys, these comedians are coming together to talk about how to make the worst video game movie of all time. And one of the comedians, quote unquote, that was coming to, to do it was the writer of Detective Pikachu. Uh-huh. And I was like, that dude already fucking made the worst video game movie of all time. And that's when I replied to the tweet. <laughs> and I did not realize he was on the thread when I replied that. And so she came for me and was just like, how would you like it if I listened to your podcast and gave everyone a review of how I thought about that? And I was like, I would love that. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like no. That sounds great because I think it's much better than Detective Pikachu. And I think you might actually like it because I fucking love the big sick. That's funny. But uh, we worked it out. I apologized. I was like, when did that happen? I don't know. A month ago or something. I don't remember. Right before my Twitter break. Did she review our pod or not? What was her? uh... No, she still hasn't listened to it. So thanks a lot, Hollywood. (laughs) So Detective Pikachu still sucks. Fuck it. So it still sucks. Sonic, way better. But I was thinking about that because, you know, I've been long waiting for, like, the first really good video game movie. Uh, we watched Super Mario Brothers, and it came close. The first really good video game. <laughs> but Sonic, I think, actually might be the first video game, good video game movie. Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's super simple, super focused, and, like, yeah. It's not trying to do more than what it is. It's not trying to set up this big lore universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actively trying to be a 90-minute movie with a buddy road trip theme and Jim Carrey doing weird shit. So it's just sort of like... Oh, Mortal Kombat. That was the first really, truly good video game movie. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. Sorry, sorry. I liked it, but I feel like Mortal Kombat is not bad. But it's like a sci-fi channel original movie. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I have not seen it in a minute, so I got to imagine my... Uh, hey, those are $500 sunglasses, asshole. And he kicks Goro in the balls and falls off. <laughs> um, the special effects in that one did not hold up. But uh, anyway, 
I was, you know, immediately, let's just like sort of walk through it. I was immediately amazed by the fact that the Paramount stars were rings. I was like, they really get this off the bat. And they said Sega at the beginning. That's a good sign. That was cool. At the beginning, I was like, I like Ben Schwartz a lot, but I, he didn't sound like Sonic to me for my childhood. But I eventually... The animated version? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jaleel White, way past cool. <laughs> It didn't sound like... Wait, it was Jaleel White was Sonic's voice? Jaleel White was the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog on the animated shows. What? If you don't know who Jaleel White is, he was Steve Urkel on Family Matters. I did not know that. Yeah, he was Sonic on both versions of the show. Really? The weird Looney Tunes you won and the superior dark apocalyptic one that our podcast is based on, in my opinion. <laughs> Over in the Sonic universe? I had no idea. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the Sonic game. We're all in Green Hill Zone, Montana. That's what I've learned. I had no idea. So, like, at first I was like, okay, the movie starts off on, like, Sonic's planet. They're like, okay, Sonic's an alien. Right. And then I was like, oh, this is going to be shit. Right. But I guess they're just using alien to mean creature from another dimension. Because he's not, he doesn't really seem like, there's not, like, interplanetary whatever in this movie. He just sort of hops through rings and goes through to a different world. But that made me worry about what you said, where they're like trying to set up this big universe that I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> it starts with a monologue by Sonic talking about living in a place with natural loop-de-loops, and he's running around. And then he, he, I started to get worried because he immediately meets like his mother figure. Yeah, I guess, and she's like an owl, and her name is Longclaw. Right, hedgehogs and owls. That old story. I was just like, mm, that's not in anything. That's not in the comics. That's not it. I was just like, <laughs> where are they going with this? What is going to happen? Because I know it takes place in the real world, which also scares me. There's always that thing of like, how do we make this crazy thing relatable? Oh, it comes to Arkland. You know, it's just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But I didn't mind it in this movie. And I was interested because they like have, it's just basically this owl that exists only to give him some guidance, hand him some rings, and then he gets chased off by like these, I don't know what you call them, like angry natives who are just Knuckles the Echidna, yeah. wearing like little masks. So he's trying to escape these like angry echidnas, and he jumps through a portal, and then he lands in our world, and that's the setup. That's basically the movie. Yeah. Then he watches people like Brian. <laughs> he does. He's a looker. He's a looker. <laughs> He's a looker, yeah. I thought it was interesting. So they make Sonic a kid. He's like basically a hyperactive teenager, which makes him sort of more lovable. Right. Because like in my head, I feel like Sonic is really ill-defined. He's like just cool. Like his personality is... Right. I mean, that was the idea was he was cool to Nintendo's cutesy. Right. Because he goes fast. Also, I think Ben Schwartz's voice helped a lot because in it, like there's a lot of actors who would have not made it watchable, I feel like. I don't know. His voice wasn't grating, I guess. No, yeah. He wasn't annoying at all. And he also wasn't schmaltzy at all. Yeah. It seemed like he had used all of his acting experience up to this point to deliver a... I don't know. It felt like he was right in the pocket of like making a character that you like. Yeah. And, I mean... I can't imagine how bad this movie would be if we had gotten the original Sonic animation, though. Oh, yeah. That's nuts. If you don't know the backstory, this movie was originally animated so that Sonic looked more realistic or hedgehog-like or something. I don't know. He looked more like a like a weird combination of human and like... Half child, half hedgehog. It was weird. He looked like a kid from Jumanji when he became a monkey. Yeah. It's crazy they had to reanimate the entire thing because <laughs> that had to take a lot of work. <laughs> right, because he's like the in every scene. Because he's in every scene. <laughs> I noticed that in the beginning because there's like a model for like Baby Sonic and I would look at him I'm like, okay, they obviously spent like one day on Baby Sonic because they're like, okay, his design is cute. Done. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but like in general, the characterization I thought really worked because you're like, okay, he's super fast, which kind of makes him like a hyperactive little kid and that kind of tracks. Yeah. And it's more lovable if he's not some like overconfident. I always think of Sonic as kind of cocky, I guess. Yeah, he was a cocky dick, I thought. Yeah, and the fact that he's not in this and is, like, characterized by being lonely and afraid of humanity, sort of like an animal in the wild, and just, like, you know, it feel bad for him. Yeah. Like, he's doing all that Bugs Bunny shit where he's, like, playing all the roles. On, he, like, basically takes over a baseball... <laughs> What's the word for it? Diamond? <laughs> Diamond. 
Why? Why? Could I, what were you gonna say? I was like, he takes over the baseball pitch. Like I don't the baseball court. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe that. I had no idea. I don't. Oh my god! That's so embarrassing. So he's in the baseball little league area, Diamond. I guess. I, what do you baseball field? It's a diamond. It's a diamond. It's a baseball diamond or a field. Baseball field. It's a diamond. And he plays all the different characters. He's running around, you know, hitting his own ball and catching it and stuff. And it's really fun. And it's like, you feel bad for him because he's alone. (laughs) He's just a little guy. And the other main character in the movie is James Marsden, who is actually doing a really good job. Maybe his best job in any movie. Yeah. And like. Yeah, he did a great job. He's not getting cuckolded. He's not getting. like killed it's like it's a big it's a new big world for him as an actor (laughs) being cyclops is just not it's not a good there's yeah they just don't know what to do with cyclops in those movies they don't know what to do with them (laughs) so he is i'm still thrown by the baseball thing i'm like still in my head like what did i mean So they introduce him as this hero cop in his hometown, or not really a hero cop, like a boring, bored, small town cop. And I'm immediately like, I'm immediately thrown because I'm like, okay, it's 2020 and the hero of our movie is a cop. Okay, is this is this the right political climate? He has a black girlfriend who's like encouraging him to be a cop, and it's just weird. It's like yeah, to go to to go to a bigger city to be a cop that was strange. Yeah, and at first his motivation, yeah, is he wants to be a hero to somebody basically. But the way they initially frame it is like he wants to get in on the action of being a big city cop, and it just seems like no, don't touch this. What do you do? You know, roll into something else. What are you doing? 2020 was a different time uh, less than 10 months ago. (laughs) There was never a cop in Sonic. There's no character who's a cop. You didn't need to go this route, but I guess I get it. He was... He's in Green Hills, Montana, and they spend like 60 minutes making you fall in love with James Marsden at the beginning. They're like, look, he's like watching ducks cross the road. He's like, you know, his setup is that... He wants a, a speeding car to go by to really set off his speed tracker. And Sonic goes by and he's like, whoa, that was fast. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. And there's a moment where he finds Sonic's quill. And then Sonic runs around the baseball diamond and creates a power surge because Sonic has all this like magic energy, I guess. And like, I thought it was a metaphor for puberty. <laughs> it's possible. I thought because his eyes were green, he has the power of a chaos emerald inside him. That's my theory. Oh, I could see that. That makes more sense. That's what I would do if I was writing the sequel to this movie. I'd be like, okay, so there are six or eight chaos emeralds, and we'll spend a movie, se- you know, on each one. And that'll, you know, get us. <laughs> Wait, you're gonna make eight more movies? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I'm Paramount, you know, it's like this and Mission Impossible, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> Got to gotta get the milk that Harry Potter sequel money. That's true. That's fair. Okay, good point. Oh, in this one, he meets Big the Cat. <laughs> That's the whole movie. <laughs> they go fishing. They could probably do that. This movie does not have that much crazy stuff in it. And like, That's true. It's just sort of, it gets by on its just likable charm. It's not always like laugh out loud funny, but like... I liked Adam Pally as the like the dumb small town cop. Yeah, like it's not really a role that's written for him, but he, it feels like it's a role written for Chris Farley. But like he does it well, and he's entertaining. Yep. He gets to act with Jim Carrey. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So, what did you think of Jim Carrey in this movie? <laughs> oh, it was nice to see him. Uh, he was clearly having a good time. I think. I guess I thought he was going to be like. I guess I'm trying to remember the last thing I saw Jim Carrey in that was before this, and I can't remember what it is, but it seemed like... It was the number 23. You just loved that movie. You were like... That was the last movie he was in? <laughs> it no. might be. No, that was the last movie you saw him in, personally. I watched the movie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was great. I mean, he was it was like classic slapstick Ace Ventura Jim Carrey, who I, you know, I grew yeah. up with and loved, so I was fine with it. <laughs> yeah, same. So Dr. Robotnik is normally, you know, portly, bald, big mustache, pure evil, whatever, wants to turn animals into robots. That's his whole deal. So here he's sort of like, this is like the Dr. Robotnik origin story a little bit. And like, he's like a government, like, 
nut job who creates drones for surveillance and you know is in charge of they have a little joint sheets of chiefs of staff meeting where they're like (laughs) well we gotta send somebody I guess it's him and there's one guy being like why though (laughs) (laughs) and then they just it's like kind of knowingly like yeah this doesn't make total sense but this is just to get the movie going a little bit faster and it's like you're like because of the movie you're watching you're kind of like yeah I'm on board pal I don't need to spend all this time justifying this stuff get Robotnik there he's like a less evil Elon Musk I would say (laughs) he's just like over the top and ridiculous and wears goggles the one thing I thought was a missed opportunity though is like him and his sidekick like I felt like you should give Jim Carrey someone he can play off of more yeah 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 yeah. and that guy was like he was fine but didn't yeah he didn't not bad but like most of this movie is Jim Carrey acting by himself. Right. And like one of my favorite scenes is when Jim Carrey comes to the door and starts acting off of James Marsden yeah. because James Marsden seems to be like, I know exactly what Jim Carrey's doing. I also grew up watching Jim Carrey movies. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like he seems to know it's like it seems like he's really excited to act with Jim Carrey and does a good job in it. And I was like, I think this whole movie should have more scenes with these two together facing off because I feel like they get each other's sense of humor and it doesn't seem like Jim Carrey besides Adam Pally in one scene has a lot of like scene partners really right like his best scene is him just dancing <laughs> inside his like Eggman Robotnik thing yeah and it's like it's great it's like just have him dance and set it to music it's like it's fine like that could be a movie but yeah you needed somebody to like even more of a straight man maybe you know what I mean like because it seemed like that guy didn't even question his like he was just a yes man and he needed to like have more than that, I think. I feel like you they cast this really handsome young man and like they should have cast a more charactery yeah. actor yeah, yeah. as that thing. They should have gotten like um Bob Hoskins. <laughs> they should have gotten Bob Newhart to be his like geriatric sidekick. Who's <laughs> <laughs> just like slowly moving around. Uh, but something like that, you know what I mean? Like, get, like, an old... I don't know. Why why don't you get... uh, What's his face? From Third Rock from the Sun to be his, like, doddering assistant or whatever. Oh, his old, uh... Old man assistant? Harry and the Hendersons. You you mean French Stewart? No, no, uh, Dick on Third Rock. What's his face? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I know you don't mean French Stewart. (laughs) I mean, French Stewart would be fine, too. It's a different movie, but... It'd be funny, yeah. I haven't seen French Stewart in a hot second. But, I mean, like, somebody who's, like... If you're gonna make him, like... Didn't Robotnik have a sidekick in one of the shows, Snively? And he was, like, a sniveling dude? Like, did... I mean... I don't remember. Just give him a Flanders or something. Or not a Flanders, a Smithers. Yeah. But, like, make it clear what that guy's character is. I don't think it's that that actor was bad. It's just that character was ill-defined. Right, right, right. And Jim Carrey needs like a more oppositional force to have or to really like be grounded in a weird way but like in general i liked what he was doing and yeah i was just happy so like the main thing is that sonic needs help he throws a ring in the air to try to escape to this mushroom land where he thinks he'll be safe cool and man this sounds so stupid saying it out loud (laughs) yeah it was i liked it (laughs) and his rings fall through a ring and <laughs> as they will as they will and so they land on a building in san francisco and so he needs to go on a road trip with james marsden to go get the rings so he can find his way home and in the process they become friends and like that's the thrust of the movie because sonic has been super lonely and it, this also gives james marsden an opportunity to act like a hero to somebody and realize that he's not really you know craving the city he just wanted to be there for somebody he can finally be the the cyclops we always knew he could be in this movie <laughs> exactly he can finally be a true cyclops <laughs> so yeah i thought his girlfriend did a better job as the movie went on as a character they basically sideline her for the beginning of the movie yeah but i feel like that's another role where it's like, okay, it's a thankless role. She's basically the person who's just like, I can't believe we're doing this. But then she, I mean, like she supported him and it's like, it all seems to, it seemed to work by the end. I feel like it was, it was good. I just mean like she should get to be funnier. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Or they should have a funnier person in that role. Like there's nothing wrong with the job she did. And when they did give her opportunities to be funny, she said something at one point that really made me laugh out loud. 
Oh, she said, she's like, don't you have any like smelling salts for cats? And she's like, cat smelling salts. And she looks at him <laughs> like he's crazy. And I, I like that. But I felt like there's really, you know, I just thought like the comedy in the movie is what was working. Right. So I felt like, why not make it like, I don't know, a comedian uh, cast for comedy, I guess is what I'm saying. Not that she didn't do a good job or give her more opportunities to have that comedy. Because in the beginning, she did just seem like generic girlfriend. But it did get a little better as it went on in that regard. But yeah, so there's a moment early on where James Marsden picks up the quill during the EMP. It's dark and it gives off this crazy blue light and it's like energy. And I was like, chills. I was like, this makes me feel like I'm back in the theater watching Men in Black <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> Men in Black? I'm like, that's awesome. It gave me summer movie feeling. And I was like, oh, I haven't had that in a while. And that was like the only part oh, of like, gotcha. I was like, whoa, this summer movie is like totally cool and next level. Like when I was a kid, it was just like yeah. nonstop good summer movies, you know, Jurassic Park, Men in Black, Independence Day, crazy big summer movies. And I was like, whoa, that made me feel like, oh, it's chilly and I'm in the theater and we don't know what's going to happen next. It could be weird or exciting. Like when you're at that age of being a kid where you're like something really weird could happen in this movie. Oh, yeah. I don't know if this bug is going to rip someone's head off or something. Like you're just like super hyped up on. <laughs> what movie? Did you see Starship Troopers as a kid? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant, I meant Edgar in Men in Black. But yeah, I, sh- I, I still haven't seen Starship Troopers. Still really want to. Oh, okay. Sugar. That's fair, because I was already a Sega kid, and I imagine if I had seen this at the same age, it would have been my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> yeah, what I wanted to ask you that. So you were, uh, what's your relationship with the character, Sonic? Well, I mean, I had, you know, I was, I was Sega, I didn't have Mario. I liked, my, I think my favorite game was Super Mario World, but I didn't have an SNES. I had a Sega, so I like all the Sonic games. Gotcha. And I played those all the time. And I remember the Sonic show, but I don't feel like it wasn't, I don't remember it that well. I don't think I watched it that much. I don't even know what channel it was on. I watched the show. I was like a devout follower of the one show and not the other one. And I read the Archie comics. The original one, right? The original dark one, the original Sonic. The original one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. The one with Sally and Antoine and Bunny Robot uh, or Rabot. And they're, you know, it's like a dystopian future and they're trying to stop Robotnik. And the other one was like a more of a wacky slapstick show. Yeah. But I mean, the marketing got me. I was like, yeah, Sonic is cool because he goes fast and therefore I'm cool because I have a Sega. And like, you're right, because like the whole thing was that like Genesis had this processor that could make the game go really fast. So it was like Sonic is a character that you know, moves fast because it shows off the power of the system. Yeah. Which is funny because most of the time when you're maneuvering Sonic, you're not going that fast in those games. Like you're going fast for like, right. You're stuck in a fucking casino zone or a water world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sonic three. And like, yeah, I mean, that's sort of like the thing, but I still Sonic mania, the one that just came out, that's like a remix of all the old ones. Yeah. is like one of my favorite go-to relaxation games, even now, because it's just so classic. And it's funny because like Sonic's been a popular character for a long time, but like they can't seem to get, it seems like he's a hard character to get right, whether it's a game or a show or a movie or whatever. But like there's, there's always cartoons and stuff. Right. Because like you said, he's cocky. He's kind of a dick in. So it's like, I don't want to watch a Sonic being a dick for 90 minutes. That's not fun. Yeah. And maybe that's hard because you have like these friends, like Sonic's always partnered with tails and knuckles and it's, it's very easy to look at those characters and based on their designs, be like, right. Okay. Knuckles is Raphael. Tails is Michelangelo. Sonic is like a cocky Leonardo or something. But like, I think it's much more fun if Sonic is free spirited and fun loving. Yeah. And like maybe Tails is like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. I don't know about Knuckles, but Knuckles was originally a bad guy. Let him be a bad guy. But uh, the movie was good. It got better and better as it went. Which was surprising because I thought with all the movies we've watched, it's like at some point they become unwatchable. So I'm like, at some point, this is not going to be fun anymore. But it was. It was fun the whole time, which was crazy to me. Right. I thought once it hit, it's like, okay, we're on a road trip. And it would slow down and start doing dumber bits. Right. But some of that was actually the more fun stuff, like the high speed or slash slow motion bar fight thing. Oh, yeah. That's always fun. Slowing stuff down for when it's high speed. That's classic stuff. (laughs) 
And for a character that they rebuilt, like, I think that's what's true about Sonic is that, in my opinion, Sonic, like Mickey Mouse, yeah. has one of the all-time great just basic character designs. Like, as he looks, is really appealing. So it's funny when it's like just putting him in an oversized cowboy hat yeah. makes him look like a character super cute. And it's like, I can't believe they thought of doing this a different way. You know, because like that's what happens when you overthink things or try to change it too much, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I thought it was shot pretty well, too. Like it looked really good the whole time. And <laughs> it was really, I noticed that at one point there was a moment where Jim Carrey just puts on broken glasses and it's funny. Oh, yeah. And I was like, this is what makes him one of the great comic actors. It's like, that's such a simple beat that so many people could get wrong. But there's something about this, like, close on his face. He puts on broken glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels like so, like, Charlie Chaplin or uh, Dr. Strangelove guy. Like, it just feels like... Peter Sellers? Yeah, Peter Sellers. It's just like... <laughs> this guy understands how comedy lives in these mov- in these motions. Like, uh, when he first sees Sonic and he screams like a little girl. <laughs> and it's like completely breaks character almost, but it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's really good in it. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I stopped taking notes at some point because I was just like, eh, I'm just going to watch it. I mean, it's not going to change. It wasn't one of those movies that's like... Yeah. It was like light and breezy and genuinely funny at times. Like, it wasn't laugh-out-loud hysterical or, you know, groundbreaking comedy, but it was like... It also wasn't like big swings that fall flat. I mean, some stuff fell flat, but it wasn't like... It wasn't noticeable. It was just like, oh, that joke didn't work. Who cares? <laughs> It's not a big deal. Yeah, where it's like, okay, that was for kids or whatever. It wasn't like big swings that consistently fall flat. Like, um, I would say every time they did a set piece and it had to do with Sonic just going fast and doing stuff in slow motion or doing a lot of stuff at once, it was almost always very visually engaging to watch. And even though there were very basic set pieces like, um, the, like a car chase with Dr. Robotnik's robots and stuff like that. I thought it was all, you know, entertaining to watch. Yeah. And like, there was some interesting stuff at the end where their, uh, robot, (laughs) Robotnik, I keep wanting to call him Eggman. You know, Sonic keeps throwing these rings and every time he goes through the ring, it's like a portal to a different dimension or different place. Yeah. And so he keeps, uh, you know, chasing him through these different rings. And I was like, that's a cool idea too. And you know, Sonic and, uh, Robotnik don't really face off that much. But then when they do, it's still entertaining. And it's like, there's also never, from one of these movies, and I guess it's just a testament to how good this kind of effect has gotten over the years. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. But, like, there's never a question that Sonic is there. He's always there, and these people can definitely see him. You know, like, there was a time when Gollum, you know, it was amazing that Gollum was, like, a 3D a character that we felt was there but now it's just like yeah that's sonic he lives here in reality with us you know it's like he lives here he's real he's my friend so i thought that was successful and it's like even if you don't find it funny and if you don't like if you're just watching it on tv it's like so short and sweet like it doesn't overstay its welcome at all so it's like i would say it's like the perfect movie to show your kids that won't annoy you too much well i mean i'm sure if you watch it 90 times it'll still annoy you (laughs) Um, if you're a parent, too. That's true. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of kids' movies with very annoying characters, but I just, like you said, I, it's like, I don't find Jim Carrey's performance annoying. Yeah, I guess that's true. Maybe it'd be fine. I don't find anyone particularly annoying in this movie. I mean, like, maybe, I'm trying to think of, like, a moment, like, in Shrek 2, I think it is, when Donkey does that thing where he, like, goes... Right, 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 yeah, yeah. And it's like... That's just a thing that they put in the movie so kids will do to be annoying to their parents. And it's like, there's nothing like that in the movie where it's like, I'm going to be like, son, like, maybe your kid would knock over a bunch of stuff. <laughs> My kids are going to watch uh, Super Mario Brothers so they know what the world's actually like. I don't want them to get too uh, comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that guy described it on Twitter. I just remembered. He's like, it's this like you know, total recall, Blade Runner future. And I love that vision of Mario. And I was like, you're nuts. So, yeah, those were our thoughts on Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, if you've got thoughts on it too, hit us up on Twitter, at brothers underscore bunker. And, you know, please give us uh, good reviews and ratings and sub and all that stuff if you haven't already. 
And feel free to talk to us on Twitter too and let us know what you like about the show. If you got questions for uh, one of these type of episodes, if you want to hear us do another one or any feedback, we'd love to hear from you guys. Is there anything you want to add or say to these folks? These folks, Kolar? <laughs> Uh, no, I think what you think you pretty much covered. You know, tell your friends to listen to it. There's only so much Netflix you can watch. You know, maybe take a break from TV for once in your lives. Uh, I'm, I'm being I'm being combative. I'm just saying, you know, spread the word. <laughs> yeah, you're being combative. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, go for a drive. Drive through scenic Pennsylvania while listening to the podcast over and over to inflate our numbers. Tell your friends and family about us. Let's infect the world with our show like we've done with COVID. (laughs) If there's going to be a pandemic, make it a pandemic of comedy for once, please. So, yeah, that's it for us at uh, Behind the Bunker, this special little show that we made for you guys because we missed you and we love you. Uh, So that's all. Bye bye. See ya. Thank you for listening to Bunker Brothers Behind the Bunker. There was Matt Shore and Mike Collar who played Brian and Jack. I'm Anastasia Saffron and I edited this episode. Please follow Bunker Brothers on Twitter at brothers underscore bunker and tweet us with a question. It may get answered on the show. If you love the show, grab a t-shirt or coffee mug from our store at bunkerbrotherspod.com. That's bunkerbrotherspod.com. Stay safe, happy and healthy out there. Bye-bye.